Welcome to New Spring Church. We pray this message has inspired you to live a great life. For more information about our story, go to newspring.org.au. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Who's had a good start of their Christmas so far? Has anyone been um, nice this year? You will know by now, by the way. <laughs> hey, if you're new to um, New Spring Church, great to have you here. Have a, we want to wish you a great Christmas. My name is Dave. I get to serve as a senior pastor here, and um, um, along with this amazing team. And um, I was thinking, this is my sixth Christmas in this church thus far. Six. And... Um, and, and, you know, some people may think, I mean, Dave, I mean, you get paid to tell the same message over and over and over and over again. I mean, what possibly could you be, be saying that's new or, or anything? But Christmas is one of those times where I think it's really important where we actually get the opportunity to go back to that first Christmas and actually draw out some meaning. Because um, I don't know about you, I actually um, serve as a pastor and very often I forget myself. And um, I think that if my job is to, is to lead people into Christmas and I can forget, well maybe there are some other people um, where this day and the meaning of what we celebrate today, maybe that will bear some relevance and actually speak to you today. You know, um, Ralph Washington Sockman, he said this, the hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable. And I just can't help but think, but every year there is this uncanny parallel um, between Bethlehem 2,000 years ago and the story that we've been singing about, the story that was just portrayed on the video, and what we um, go through every single year in what we call the silly season. Um, one thing that drives me absolutely crazy every single Christmas season is full car parks. Does anyone hate full car parks? Seriously, you may think I'm a godly man right now. Sometimes in those car parks, I, mean, I get frustrated like nothing else. To actually find a car park spot is just ridiculous sometimes. And we experience that every year over here. But you know what? Back in Bethlehem, all the stables, they were absolutely full. They were loud. They were like people probably having like... Um, I, I don't know, they were aggressive and everything. And you know what? They actually stunk, you know, because when you've got donkeys and horses and they're doing their business, those stables, they were full and they were stinking. Um, in shopping centres, I find it very difficult to shop. Um, not because I don't like um, spending money. I actually love spending money. But because I'm kind of this big, awkward, six-foot-two kind of guy and I'm like kind of like big and like I'm not thin and um, I, I find it very hard to walk in shops especially when you have these young um, nimble and smaller people and they dart in front of you and then you have kids and and I've been known just to actually um, run over like just step on kids and have to apologize to parents and uh, that's just my story back in Bethlehem this place was definitely overcrowded um, because what was happening at the time is that um, everyone from all these other towns, they were congregating on this little town called Bethlehem because someone had said, we're going to do a census. Um, so everyone had to go. So it was overcrowding. And um, these days, I think we all recognize that the shops are so busy. Well, in Bethlehem, retail was actually going off. It was off the hook at this time. It was full of activity. You know, people were buying food, clothing. People needed to get their carts fixed and wheels needed to get adjusted and, and things like that. And animals obviously needed to get fed. And it may be a little bit different to today, but there are some similar dynamics as to what was happening in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago as to what we experience and what we call the silly season. And I can't help but think that similar to today, there were literally thousands and thousands of people 
who were actually in that place, in that town, and they missed that holy night. The same way many people miss the holy night today. And you know, it's actually a real shame because what happened on that night was so significant. It was actually a transitional moment. Um, something happened that changed the course of history. You see, that hinge, it really did swing a stable door. And for those who were willing to actually step into that stable door, there was a new paradigm, there was a new reality, there was something new that was available for everyone. And um, Matthew, who's one of the writers in the Bible, he actually portrays this, and he puts his exclamation mark on, on this shift and this transition and, and this hinge. And we're just going to read just briefly from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. Um, the story will be very familiar in your ears, but um, it will be on the screen, so how about you read along? And it reads like this. It says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, he was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Um, his name Jesus saves, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When, G when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. You know, historians and um, theologians, obviously, but uh, learned people, no one actually disputes that Jesus was actually born. No one disputes that Jesus of Nazareth walked on the earth. No one disputes that he was crucified um, on a cross. No one actually disputes that this one solitary life is the one life in history that actually um, causes time to be split in two. But what people do miss so often is that today is all about a message that has so much meaning. And um, I mentioned yesterday, unless we have meaning in Christmas, it's kind of like opening up this beautiful present. You open up just to see this an empty box, and that could be so disappointing. But Christmas has so much meaning. And we find this exclamation mark that Ma Matthew actually points out, and um, he plays very strong attention to. And the exclamation mark is found in the word Emmanuel. If you're a Christian, you know Emmanuel means something really significant. And what Matthew actually does, he actually draws on this name that's only mentioned three times in the Bible. And the previous times, it's mentioned through a prophet whose name is Isaiah. And Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. But what you notice as Matthew actually tells this prophecy, he actually goes a little bit further because he has in mind that there are going to be some people who are going to be reading this, who are going to be hearing the story, and they're going to have absolutely no idea about the history of God and his people. They're going to have very little understanding about what God has done in history, how he's showed himself, how he's revealed himself to people. In fact, people who are going to be um, outside of 
of Israel and, 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 and Jerusalem, they're going to hear the story and they're going to have very little idea of what this interesting name Emmanuel means. So what Matthew does, he actually puts the prophecy in there, but then he actually articulates what that word means. And he says, the virgin's going to give birth to the son. His name's going to be Emmanuel. And then he says, which means God is with us. God is with us. Have you ever thought about that? God is with us. And Matthew's actually making this point that at this time, people are going to know God, not just as this great creator, not just as Elohim or Yahweh, or, or they're not just going to know God as, as the one who knows everything and can do everything, can move mountains, and, and, and with the, the breath of his nostrils, he parts the Red Sea, or, or, or he causes universes to, to appear just with a single word. They're going to know God, not just as those big names, but also going to know God as God is with us. And what Matthew does, he actually brings in the three most important words to Christmas we could ever possibly fathom. God with us. Have you ever thought about that? God is with you? It's kind of hard to comprehend. You know, um, Andrew works three days a week, and um, I obviously work here. But um, there are times when um, Jackson and Kayla, they, they, I think they love Andrew more than me. Um, in fact... Is that right, Kayla? No, okay. <laughs> Let's just say they like hanging out with mum more than dad. But, um, except because um, dad spoils them all. But there, there are times when um, a, um, Kayla and Jackson are with Andrea, and, and Jackson always says, what are we doing tomorrow, mummy? What are we doing tomorrow, mummy? And um, Andrew would say, you know what, tomorrow mummy has to go to work. And then they get really disappointed um, and really sad. Um, but then she says, but it's okay because tomorrow you're going to be with your daddy. Okay? You can understand that rationale. Fast forward to the day um, after when I've got my kids and um, unknown to Andrea, they get spoilt a lot. They eat a lot of sugar. Um, they have happy meals all the time. Um, Andrea uh, endeavors to make them healthy. I'm like the um, antidote to that. <laughs> so... Um, Andrew's looking at me. Anyway, um, but in that moment when the kids are with their dad, it actually makes no sense for Andrea to actually be on the phone to the kids and say, it's okay, tomorrow, like you're going to be with your dad. In fact, they would actually turn that around and they would say, it's okay, mum, right now, dad is with us. It's very different because the previous day, Andrew was assuring them of something that they did not currently live in. Because I was absent and, they had to, and Andrew had to say, tomorrow you're going to be with your dad. Fast forward, the kids are saying, it's okay, mum, dad is with us. It's a different paradigm. It's a different paradigm. And what we need to understand is that when Matthew actually says this, he is actually bringing about a different paradigm because up until this point, those three words, God with us, or that understanding that God is with us, that wasn't even in the terminology of God's people. They had no understanding, no, 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 no comprehension of what that could possibly be. And that is why God with us is the hinge. Jesus coming as Emmanuel is the hinge. Um, before Isaiah says he will be called Emmanuel, God with us was not a reality. In fact, what they used to say, God used to say, 
I will be with you. So in Deuteronomy um, chapter 20, it says, when you go out and fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and armies that are greater than you, don't be afraid. The Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, he is with you. Another one in Deuteronomy says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord your God goes with you. Joshua 1 says, I have, not, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you. Isaiah 41 says, do not fear for I am with you. You know, God is seen as a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, but the thing is, he's impersonal. You can't touch him. He's, he's over there, but you can't get close to him. I mean, if you get too close to God, you fall dead and die, and then something happens on that one holy night. The hinge of history, it is swinging a stable door, and those who would dare to walk in it, they experience something absolutely new, a new relationship, that you can actually get close to God, that you don't have to have this assurance where God is saying, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be with you. Oh, God, that looks enormous over there. Okay, I'm going to be with you. Yeah, I'm going to be with you. It actually transitions to a point where we can actually articulate, it's all right, God already is with us. It's a transition moment that has happened on that holy night. For anyone who would dare walk through that stable door. But you know, as I said before, Bethlehem has this uncanny resemblance to today's world. So back 2,000 years ago, there were hundreds, possibly thousands of people going about their daily um, business, and they were like, they were busy. But only a handful of people actually walked through that stable door, didn't they? A handful out of thousands. Today, there are millions who are just getting by, and every year we have this opportunity where we get reminded about, you know, oh, that's right, there's this story that happened 2,000 years ago, and, and it's about this little baby, and some people say it's significant, but I don't really know why it's significant. We get reminded, but very few people walk through that stable door, and there are people who don't even know that a stable door exists, and you know what the unfortunate thing is? There are others who think that by walking through that stable door, there's going to be punishment, there's going to be condemnation, and there's going to be shame. But you need to follow the rationale. Because if God really did come as a baby in that very first Christmas, I mean, if he really did come to bring condemnation, to bring punishment, to bring shame, on that very first Christmas, think about it. Would he really have come as a small, vulnerable, fragile baby. He would have come out something like Darth Vader or something out of Star Wars or something. You know, he'd like sort of approach and go, Vroom. but he comes as a little baby, doesn't he? He comes with a message. He comes to let you know that this coming of our God is not about punishment. It's not about condemnation. It's not about pointing a finger and saying shame on you. It is about a transition moment. It's the hinge of history that is swinging a stable door and it beckons and invites anyone who would dare walk in and venture into that stable to experience something brand new. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. And the hinge of history, it was the plan all the time. You may look at it and say, oh, well, that was an accident. You know, God just jacked that one. It was just, he fluked it. But what the authors tell us repeatedly, they look back to 
thousands of years previously. And they tell us that the Old Testament prophets, that they told us, the Old Testament prophets, thousands of years ago, they told us that he would be born. They told us where he would be born, and they told us how he would be born. That's thousands of years ago. They said, he's coming. He's going to be born here, and he's going to come via a virgin. Thousands of years previously. And that swinging door of history lets you know something. The Christmas story is a reminder that God will go to whatever means he has to in order to bring his plan to pass. And here's the deal. If he did it with Jesus, he's also going to do it with you if you have the guts, the courage, the intrigue to walk through that swinging door and encounter Emmanuel, who is God with us. Galatians 4 Verse 4, we're going to close up pretty soon and then we're all going to go and open presents and eat lots of food and have food comas all around. Galatians 4 says this, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Get this, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God made you his heir. See, the hinge of history, God with us, Emmanuel, that swinging door in a stable in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago was done for one solitary purpose so that you and I could possibly be positioned in a place where God could look at us and adopt us and actually call us his children so that he would be God with us. So in this Christmas, 2017, I know it's come fast. I feel like we're still in Easter. You know, for many of us here today, we are part of those few who've actually walked through that stable door. We've dared to venture in, and you know what? We are forever grateful because of the hinge of history. We understand that. But for some of us, this may be the first time that we've actually heard about this hinge of history. This hinge of history is still in place. The stable door is still swinging. Jesus has still come. And maybe this Christmas meaning is going to be part of your Christmas day as you consider, as you contemplate that God, almighty God, all-powerful God, he squashed and he squished and he reduced himself to a point where he came as a little baby so he could communicate and show and declare and put an exclamation mark that he is God with us. It's the hinge of history. It's a stable door that's been swinging for thousands of years. And very few enter in. But maybe this year is your year to enter in and encounter God is with us. He is with me. We're going to pray. The band's going to come up.